What's up, everybody? It's your host, Rob Morris. You're listening to the Rims and S podcast. I now pretty much made this a full episode instead of the quick thoughts segments that I've been putting out. So this is episode 52, um, segment 2. I named the first segment uh, 52.1, so that will be segment. So when you see the upload... It'll be listed on the 52. I did put in parentheses quick thoughts because that's what I um, started out as that when I started the episode. So probably when you guys listen to the first part, you're going to hear me say quick thoughts, but it ended up being a full episode because it ended up being 30 minutes instead of a 15-minute episode. So to really conclude the episode, we're going to just talk about the Celtics Frisian targets, what what they could be looking for and what the what the key needs are. And plus we'll get in a, a few nuggets I was able to find about, you know, the summer league far as like, not only the Celtics summer league, but also like locally, a lot of the college players that were able to get uh, training camp deals or potential, you know, exhibit 19 deals for some of these teams that are going to be entering, you know, the summer league schedule and, a lot of local guys were able to get, you know, opportunities with some of these summer league teams. So I'll probably mention those players. And plus, we'll add a, a, a commitment from the two uh, from the class of twenty uh, class of twenty twenty three. It was already a um, a commitment. There's already a few commitments, but I will give you one commitment from one pretty talented player, which is probably going to be high on the. Um, my Rims and Nets top 100 list that will be coming out, you know, at the end of the year. So, so we'll kind of get into all that. But for right now, we're going to talk about what the Celtics are going to do um, as free agency is clearly approaching. Um, I recorded the first episode yesterday. So this is pretty much... Um, the following day, I recorded the first episode on Monday, and here we are on Tuesday. Well, actually, yeah, so here we are on Tuesday recording this one. And pretty much, I well, pretty much have both episodes uploaded either Wednesday night or Thursday. So, but for right now, the Kyrie Urban. Uh, issue is over, and there was a lot of rumors, which I mentioned in, in the last segment, that Durant was rumored to come to the Boston or whatever. Or I believe I mentioned that in the last episode. I believe I really I know I got into the Kyrie Irving discussion, as far as him being a free agent. Well, now that's off the table, as he was able to re up on his uh, player option for. Over $37 million. He pretty much picked that up. So any any rumor or any any occurrence that Ke- Kevin Durant could be going to Boston is pretty much kaputs right now. Like it's, well, at least for right now. I mean, there there still are some 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 rumors that you know that could potentially might be a sign and trade with the Lakers, but. It was only it was smart for Kyrie to make this decision 
you know, to make that decision to to pick up that option because even if that was the case, if he declined that option, he was looking at maybe possibly only one offer, and that was probably from the Lakers. So it wouldn't have been, you know, a bunch of suitors lining up to to pay Kyrie Irving that type of money. So it was just smart on on his end on on a financial on a financial end on on him for, to be able to like to to easily I mean it was an easy decision for him to just make just to pick up that option and but he had a tweet and everything you know Kyrie always has to say something and he made a tweet about just saying that uh or I don't know Instagram post whatever it was also it was a social media post basically just mentioning that see you thanks fall so it looks like that he might be coming back to the Brooklyn Nets as of right now it looks like he's he's planning on staying so I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant is probably going to you know stay with him I think he'll be a free agent next year but as of right now both of them should be in Brooklyn for the foreseeable future at least for right now and and maybe there's a slight chance that maybe Kyrie could go to the Lakers, but it's a slight chance. I don't think, but I don't really think that's going to happen. I think I think Kyrie's going to stay, but um, who knows? It's you know the offseason so NBA offseason so unpredictable. You never know what can happen, and what whatever which way it possibly could go. But as of right now, we're probably heading two days into the free agency period. Um, I believe on the 29th, you actually can start negotiating with teams. I'm already hearing news that Jalen Brunson already has a hush-hush, you know, handshake agreement with the Knicks. So that's pretty much the first domino to fall as the Knicks. They were setting on him since the start of free agents. They knew that he was, they could get him. They ended up signing his, um, his dad, you know, Rick Brunson that played, you know, I think he was a Celtic one time. I think he played for the Celtics for a short time, or he might have played for the Nets or whatever. I know he was. I know he's from the New York area. So Jalen Brunson's from the New York area. He went to Villanova, so he's very familiar with that area. So it's pretty much just a homecoming for him to come back home and to play for the Knicks. Probably was a dream of him to play for the Knicks ever since he was a kid. Because, you know, probably his dad played in that area. So, and he's from probably, I think he's from that area. I think the Brunson family is from the New York area. So, it was a win-win for him to come back home to play for the Knicks. So, it was definitely something that, uh, that the Knicks knew they were going to do. They were just trying to, like, clear up some cap room. I think that's pretty much the, all their attentions was, which obviously has been, it was a mind-boggling uh, NBA draft night for them as they were, you know, making all kinds of trades, but really those trades were just to clear up cast space to sign Brunson. So that was all they cared about. They didn't care about picking anybody. I mean, they had a lottery pick and they cared, they wanted to trade that lottery pick in order to clear the space for Brunson. So kind of strange where you can probably would have, they probably could have did both, but Nevertheless, they sh- they should have did that during during the trading deadline, if they knew they had a decent chance of signing Brunson. 
They should have did that at the trading deadline. They should have cleared off cast space in the trading deadline to get Brunson, but it's neither here or there for them. They, It looks like they're going to end up signing him. So that's probably one rumor that's going to be true. Already, we have those reports already coming out. And that's, you know, it's not going to be truly official until like what... Was it like the? It's like a Montreal period or whatever, and I think it's like July seventh is when all the contracts are going to be official. But you know, teams could you know meet up with players you know starting today or not today uh, Wednesday. Starting on Wednesday, they can meet up with players and start negotiating and talking numbers. You know. Hush, hush! Before the the official free agency period starts on July first, so we should be seeing a lot of news come out within the next two days or so before July first. So expect to see a lot of news come out. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun, you know, week weekend. I think a lot of you know teams are gonna want to get their news done before the the holiday. So they can enjoy the holiday with their family. So I think a lot of this stuff will come out. A lot of the big, you know, signings will come out, you know, early, early in the in in the free agent period, and then probably your mid tier to low tier offers will happen probably a little bit after the fourth or maybe like around the fourth. So it should be fun to see how it all goes. Obviously, I would say the top guy that's still available is Zach Levine. We have to see if he's going to sign with the Bulls or even James Harden. I think James Harden's going to re-up. I already found out there's some news that Westbrook's going to re-up, which is which is pretty obvious. Russell Westbrook, you know, he's make he's going to be making forty five, forty seven million dollars a year. I mean, that's a no brainer for him to take that. As I'm looking at this hoops hype, free agent class lips right now. And Bradley Bill's another one. I would say the two key names are are Bradley Bill and Zach Levine. We still have to see if Bradley Bill's going to decline it. They said that they had that he hasn't yet, but then there's reports early on in last week that said that he was going he was planning on declining it. So I would think it would be smart for him to decline it and just try to just see where. You know what his offers will be at. I would think that would be smart of him to do that. And same thing for Zach Levine. I would I would think they both should do what they got to do to those client those offers. Zach Levine is actually unrestricted, so he's already going to be a free agent regardless. And then DeAndre Ayton is uh, another one. He's restricted, which he hasn't had a deal yet. So I'm pretty sure, you know. The Suns would have to try to get something going with that. Miles Bridges is another guy that's restricted. Anthony Simons is another guy that's restricted. Josep Nurkic, he could be gone. And then even Bobby Portis, I think one of the better role players out there. I was 14 and 9 last year. I think he's one of the better role players in in the league. He's eventually a borderline starter at times. That's how productive he is. I don't think the Bucks 
we'd be stupid to let him go. But let's focus on the Celtics, what their realistic targets are. Obviously, a lot of these big fish or high-level free agents, I think that's pretty much out of their price range because the Celtics are right around a little bit over the luxury task, which I mentioned in the last segment. They really don't have the resources as, you know, all these other, you know, teams like the Pistons and all the, you know, the the lower end teams that are younger and they're not, they don't have, you know, big contracts right now. I mean, if you look at the numbers, you know, you got Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're making over, over 20 million a year. Smart's making about, uh, 14, 15, 16 range. Like he's making that it something in that in that range. I don't know the exact numbers. Al Horford's making like th- close to 30, 30 a year, thirty million a year. So they're pretty much strapped right now. They pretty much the only resources they have are the tax players, mid level exception, and the veterans minimum. So when I made this list, I pretty much thought, like, all right, what players kind of fit that criteria of what they can offer? And that, and what are the needs? I would say the need is, you know, their bench scoring. Um, they don't, I mean, they thought Derek White was going to be more of a spring, a six-man offensive player for them, but he's been more of like a, you know, versatile player, a versatile defender, Um a pretty versatile offensive player, but not really a pure scorer. So they're kind of lacking that. Pritchard's more of a, a, a sharpshooter. Um, Garrett Wims is kind of a energy guy or or somewhat of a, a, a versatile defender. So they're really still lacking that, you know, uh, you know, pro- prototypical uh, six man that can score off the bench. That's like kind of like a bucket getter off the bench, like and kind of can fit that role. They really are lacking that, and that's what they could have used a lot of in that you know Warrior series. Well, because it's just like they barely could not f- buy a bucket coming off the bench, and it really hurt them, especially when Tatum and Jalen Brown really struggled to kind of really find consistent offense out there, especially in the last game. They barely could find consistent offense so they could have used some bench production to help out with that so i would say along with the six-man scoring it definitely needs need some big man death because you know al horford is 35 years old i mean he's getting up in there in age and then you have rob williams with his injury issues they're gonna have to manage those injury uh manage those injury issues at times hopefully just hoping that Rob could be more healthier this year and be more consistent at staying on the floor. But you still need that depth to kind of like keep the minutes down and kind of have a little bit of low management with him. So that way he will be fresh when it comes down to playoff time. So you might need it. You know, Tyson's been okay. I mean, I don't mind Tyson in the regular season. I think Tyson's a great player for it. And at times he was pretty good in the playoffs in moments. But there was times when you couldn't play him in certain matchups against, you know, premier bigs that can really, you know, take advantage of his some of his deficiencies, particularly at rebounding and stuff like that. So 
they could use someone that's a little bit more of an active type of big or or veteran type that really knows how to rebound and knows how to really be tough, a more tough-minded big man. So I thought of that. I thought of JaVale McGee is probably someone that would fit the mold, but also someone that isn't going to cost a lot. JaVale McGee is definitely played on championship-level teams, i.e. the Warriors in the past, so he definitely would fit just right in. Uh, currently, he's playing for the Phoenix Suns, so if they can grab him, that would be a huge gift for them. Another guy that I like, if I had to you know, go with the big man type, I would probably say Isaiah Hardingston from the L.A. Clippers. Same thing, you know, similar numbers to Tice, 8-4, and four, but... More of a sturdier type guy, seven foot tall, two hundred fifty pounds. A little bit more tougher. Maybe has a little bit more of an edge than Tice. Tice is. I love Tice's versatility, but I think Hardness is more of a traditional center. So, if you really wanted more of a traditional center type, that's more of a banger, more of a guy that's more physical. I think Hardness is a better fit. Same thing with Javel McGee. Javel McGee's a little bit more of a rim runner type, but you know, a shot blocker. But Javel McGee can guard on the perimeter as well. So if, if Celtics are still looking to have that versatile big, I think Javel McGee might be more of a better fit than Hardenstein. But if they really want, maybe just say, you know what, we like Tice. We're not going to give him up because we still like his versatility to guard. You know, guard people out on the perimeter. You know, you can use Hardenstein in certain situations if you're getting beat on the glass and Tice is not really productive enough on that end against maybe a, a certain type of big guy. I think Hardenstein could fit that mold. And then, and I did mention, like, even Trayvon Williams is another piece. If he can make the team, he can kind of fit, kind of can fit that sturdy big man role as well. And he has some versatility to his game. So, that's, you know, obviously a wild card that could, you know, who knows how well he will fit into all that. But, like, yeah, that's probably an option. But, obviously, yeah, you want to try to get those veterans in there. And I think McGee's could fit that mold. But Hardinson's a guy that's a little bit younger, but still a guy that might be what would be best for what they what they could use. And then as far as like the six-man role, the players I would think that would fit that, the freezes that would currently fit that right now that are available, I would say maybe Gary Harris from the Magic. Um, kind of had an off year as far as efficiency goes, but like put him on a good team again, I think the efficiency might go up. Currently last year he was shooting 43%, but he was still shooting well from three, 30%. So... I think Gary Harris definitely can be a guy that, you know, if they needed a guy that can be that sixth man, I think Gary Harris definitely fits that mold. Another guy, which could be a wild card, Dante DiVincenzo. I like Dante DiVincenzo because he's more of a two-way guy, can play on both ends of the floor. Um, he's a sharpshooter. Has a winning mentality. I think you put him back in a winning mentality, putting on, putting him back on a winning team. I think he can 
you know, I love what he did with Villanova and even in college. I think you can kind of unlock that back into him, put him back in a winning a winning team again. I think you'll start to see the efficiency levels go up with him, and I think he'll start to play at a higher level. Because, I mean, it's, it showed in a lot of those moments, even in the tournament, is that he has... He definitely has six-man capability. He played off the bench on that championship team for Villanova. So that would be a perfect role for him to kind of just get back to that role and, you know, and playing on a winning a winning level, a winning team and a winning level. So that would be I think that would be a really good fit to be honest with you. I think DiVincenzo might be really good for for the Celtics as well as Gary Harris. Another guy Fitting more in that veteran minimum role, Carmel Anthony. Why not get himself a ring in in Boston? You know, out of all places. You know, he played for the Knicks for a time, so he's from that area, so he'll be somewhat close to home. And I just think, you know, I think this would be the best opportunity for Carmel to kind of just, you know, just be be a scorer and. Not have to do a lot of not a, a, a lot of other things that maybe in the past he would have to do like rebounding and and and, and really he could just focus on just being a a, a, a spot up shooter a guy that can you know play in the post and just be be a scorer be what he's always been in his career and that's all the Celtics are looking for they need someone that can be a professional scorer off the bench and I think Carmelo Anthony could fit that role. Um, and then another guy I like, which I don't know. I mean, I think Patty Mills was good, but I mean, I I, I didn't like how he kind of faded against the Celtics. So I really don't like Patty Mills. I just think he he's you know near her there, kind of he could be good, but then he can be really bad. And then he kind of just faded in the playoff series against the uh, Celtics. So I didn't really like that about him. But um, And then another guy I would say that would probably fit that role is probably Nick Batoon. That's a little bit of a guy that, you know, fits the veteran mineral uh, price tag. But he can give you a lot of versatility as far as, like, just passing and rebounding as well as scoring. So... I know they kind of had that with Derek White, but why not have another guy? And he also has good size, too, on the defensive end. So you can kind of, you know, put out a lineup of Derek White, Nick Batum, Tatum, Jalen Brown, and really be a super versatile long lineup with that lineup. So that would be interesting to see how that all would look with Batum and company, but... I like all the other, you know, options I mentioned with Harris and and DiVincenzo and possibly Carmen. I think I put if I had to say I I would love Carmen Anthony, but I would love um DiVincenzo, but I would I would probably say the best fit would probably be I don't know, man. I, I like Nick Batoon as a fit too, but I like Don. I like Donnie Vincenzo because what he would what he brought with the Bucks two years ago was was pretty good. I was surprised the Bucks got rid of him. 
they chose him over they chose Grayson Allen over him. I I, I thought that was really surprised me because I thought he had some moments with the Bucks and really he didn't really have much opportunity because he kind of was in the D league most of the time. Waiting. Excuse me, but when he did get his opportunity, he was pretty good. You know, at, at times, you know, just being a, a a consistent, you know, you know, sharpshooter off the bench for them, and you know, he's definitely become somewhat of a pretty good defender as well. So it's interesting, but those are like probably the options I would go with as far as like the bigs and the potential six man options they probably possibly could have. I think those, you know, kind of fit to what the Celtics can offer. But we'll see. Um we'll see what happens with with all that and how the how that's gonna how the puzzles are gonna fit with all that. Alright, we're gonna wrap this up as far as that and Oh yeah, like oh yeah, I almost forgot. I have some quick news to mention. Um, far as like the summer league goes, before we end it, far as like the summer league, you got um, some local guys, local college guys that were able to get some summer league opportunities. You got Noah Kirkwood; he's been playing against the Brooklyn Nets summer league team. So congratulations to him, and hopefully he can get a training camp invite and potentially try to make the team. Justin Manaya from Providence, we, you know, we was talking a lot about him during the, during throughout the year and how he, how him and a lot of those uh like Manaya and um and Nate Watson have really really changed the culture of that Providence team and how they were very productive and Noah Kirk Kirk Hurchley were really key to them being an undefeated team most of the year. But Justin Manaya was a great two-way player for them. He's definitely going to get an opportunity to play for the Charlotte Hornets summer league team. As well as Isaiah Whaley from UConn. He's going to be playing uh, for the Hornets as well. So there's a couple local guys getting their opportunities to play on a summer league team. Hopefully getting an opportunity to make the teams for those respective teams. And then you have, uh, from the class of uh, 2023, you have Taylor Bull Bowen. He commits to Florida State. So he commits to Leonard Hamilton and the Florida State Seminoles. He's going to be playing in the ACC. A little background on Taylor Bull Bowen. I think he played for Brewster Academy this year. Let me just... Double check that. So I believe he, yeah, he played for Brewster Academy. He lines up at 6'9, almost 6'10. He's got to gain some weight. He's only a buck 195. Listed, this is listed under 247 Sports. And he's a four star recruit. So. That's a big get for Florida State. Kind of fits the mold of what they like. Those long, agile bodies. Uh, they love those type of players. Leonard Hamilton uses those to really create um, high-level defensive teams. So he kind of fits that mold. He has that same playing style. So 
Um, that commitment just happened recently, 625 and June 25th. So happened just in just a couple weeks ago so those are some recent news and i'll probably put that on the website under breaking news and they have a scouting port on him according to adam finkelstein bowen is a long athletic forward that thrives in the up and down open court game rangy athletic like i like i just mentioned Effortlessly rises up to play way above the rim. His best upside is on the defensive end of the floor. See what I mean? Clearly, you know, Leonard Hamilton wanted him because he was, you know, he seemed like a defensive, uh, a high-level defensive player, or he has the potential to be a high-level defensive player. And Leonard Hamilton loves guys like that. So he fits just right into the mold of what, what he what his you know what his system is and what his um, philosophy is at Florida State. So that's a great get. Um, pretty good, pretty early a commitment. You know, before the, his senior season. So that's gonna be, he's gonna have to worry about that. All he has to do is focus on playing basketball for Brewster next year. So so big get for Florida State. Definitely a high level prospect. Definitely might have. Uh, next level potential for sure as he definitely was probably one of the top players in the New England area for sure and he probably most likely might be a top 10 player in my New England top uh, top 100 but we'll have to see how it all lines up but he, he probably might end up being top 10 top 5 player and then that's I think that's pretty much it so, so we'll wrap it up with that 30 minutes on the first segment 30 minutes on the second segment so we're wrapping up with that. This is your host, Rob Morris. You listen to the Rims and Nets podcast. I'm out. Peace.